had a good week. I had an amazing week. I went to a, a conference in Pretoria with uh, Steve Backland and his wife Wendy. And, and the whole conference is basically about your beliefs. So it was about, you know, addressing the lies in your heart and in your mind and in your way of thinking. And I was just amazed because I, I sort of rate myself as a quite positive person, full of faith, you know. I was just shocked how many lies I have in my heart and mind. So after the two, three days was from Tuesday to Thursday. When I Thursday when I left there, I felt like my brain got washed in a good way. Just like a washing from heaven. I just felt, I, my, my mind and my heart just felt so free, so clean, so positive. It was, it was just really good. So I'm going to share a few of the things that they shared uh, in, amongst the, the message I want to share with you this morning. So I'm going to continuing on revive and um, stepping into your personal revival or diving into your personal revival. So I'm building like a few, I'm, like there's these building blocks that I'm, I'm establishing, building blocks of truth that I'm establishing uh, in our lives so that we can dive into the fullness of God's Holy Spirit. So, as I said earlier, first week I spoke about hungry yet thankful. Second week I spoke about freedom. So hungry yet thankful and free. So I want to build on the freedom part. You see, lies bind us. Truth sets us free. Okay, so I want to actually want to speak to you about sonship. This morning, sonship. Okay, so are you ready to be set free this morning? Let's say it. This morning, God's going to set me free with his truth. Amen. Come on. Have a bit of an expectation. The word of God doesn't return void. It goes forth. It impacts. And, and last week, oh, we had just a wonderful weekend just felt last weekend that um, the Lord is removing our ceiling as individuals, even as a church, is removing the limits, the limitations upon our lives. And your belief system is key to it. If you believe that there is a wall there, then you will never go beyond that wall. If this is what you believe, this is your limit, you'll never go beyond it. And so this morning, I want to help us remove some of those limitations, some of those walls we've placed in our lives. So something is about to happen in this church, in your life. Let's say it. Something's about to happen. You see, when you say something, you give God something to work with. Something is about to happen. Something is about to happen. Something is about to happen. Romans 8, verse 19. It says, The creation waits in eager expectation... For the sons of God to be revealed. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. So it's like all of creation, nature itself is waiting for the sons of God to be manifested. The sin-sick, cursed world is crying out for the sons of God. Who's, who's that? Who are the sons of God? That's you. If you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, 
There's something that happened, a miracle happened on the inside. You became a child of God, a son of God. Even if you're a lady, you're still a son of God. And so there's a, a manifestation that needs to happen. A revealing of the sons of God. What is that? That's when you realize who you are in God. And when you realize what you already have in God, then you will be revealed. For many of us, God has already given us so much and he's already made us into something. But because of the lies that we believe, we're not stepping, we're not experiencing that fullness. We're not experiencing the reality of what God has already given to us. And so revival is seeing heaven invading earth. And revival connects with our beliefs. Here's a quote from Steve Backland. He says, the kingdom of God is not moved forward by good conduct, but good beliefs. That is so counterintuitive. It's like, it, no, 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 it's about doing right. It's not, don't sin. Do all the good stuff. But it's not so. The Bible says all things are possible to him who works hard. All things are possible to him who believes. So there's a shift that happens on the inside of us. When this shift of faith, belief, comes to our hearts and minds, then you are equipped and empowered to do the good works. So the kingdom of God is not moved forward by good conduct, but good beliefs. And I believe there's a war at this very moment for our beliefs, for your faith. There's a continuous spiritual pressure on you to doubt. To doubt yourself. To allow your past to define you. To allow people's opinions to to mold you. There's this continuous assault on our thoughts, on our hearts, continuously. And we're not even aware of it. Pastor Anton last weekend, he spoke about spiritual warfare. and Taking down the principalities and the powers and the demonic things, etc. It's all true. But I want to say to you, there's the highest level of spiritual warfare is over here. It's right over here, and I'll prove it to you now. Over here, this is the highest level of spiritual warfare. If you win this battle, you win that battle. If you win the battle on the inside, you win the battle on the outside. If you have internal success, it's inevitable to have external success. If you win on the inside, you'll win on the outside. And so that's what I want to share with us this morning. It's time for us to win on the inside. It's time for us to, to be persuaded that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take down the lies in my heart and in my life. Because as I take down those lies, I will be set free and those around me will be set free. I shared a few weeks ago, any thought that you think that doesn't inspire hope is being influenced by a lie. Any thought that doesn't inspire hope is being influenced by a lie. That's how you actually define your thinking. So you're thinking, you're thinking something and this thought is not inspiring hope. Well, it's being influenced by a lie. It's not being influenced by God. Because as Wendy said, the, the Lord told her, because she was often hopeless about stuff. And so the Lord told her, Wendy, you can be hopeless about anything that I am also hopeless about. 
God spoke to her and said, Wendy, you are welcome to be hopeless about anything in this life that I am also hopeless about. Anything that God's hopeless about? Intimidated about? No ways. He's the God of hope. He inspires hope. He releases hope. So any thought that doesn't inspire hope is a lie. It's being influenced by a lie. So there's a spiritual battle raging. The highest level of warfare is to take our thoughts captive. Look at this verse. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 3 to 5, well-known passage about spiritual warfare. It says in verse 3, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not fleshly, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Every thought, taking every thought captive. So what is a stronghold? A stronghold is like a fortress and it protects what's on the inside. So if you have a stronghold of rejection, you have a stronghold of rejection, you have been rejected in the past, it's built up in your mind, it's now become a stronghold, your brain will look for rejection everywhere. It will filter out all the good stuff where people like you and accept you. All you will see is rejection because your brain will filter out. It's a stronghold. All you can see is rejection. If you have fear in your life and it becomes a stronghold, you will not see all the good happening in your life. You will only see fear, fear. Fear has become a stronghold. It filters out all the good, and it brings bondage. It brings fear, obviously, and torment. So a stronghold of rejection, stronghold of fear, it binds us. And it says God has given us weapons to pull down those thoughts, those strongholds, those arguments, and every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ If you win the battle in your thoughts, you will win the battle in your life. And so prophetic ministry, prophetic ministry is high-level spiritual warfare. What's that? What's prophetic ministry? Prophetic ministry is when someone hears from God who someone is and what God's plan is for their lives. Best example would be uh, Gideon, Judges chapter 6. Gideon hiding away, threshing wheat in the, in the wine press. And then God sends an angel to him. Now this angel wasn't sent to go attack principalities and powers and other demon things in the air. The angel came to attack the arguments in Gideon's mind. The angel came to attack the lies that, that Gideon was believing about himself. And so the verse says there, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon's response, then he starts arguing. You can go read it yourself. Then he says, if God is for us, why are we being oppressed by the Midianites? You can see all the arguments in his head binding him. He was hiding away. He was afraid. He wasn't that. He wasn't this mighty man of valor. He was just, he was afraid. He said, well, I'm the smallest family. And uh, where are the miracles that, that people spoke of? There's no miracles happening. But the angel knew if I can take down the lies in Gideon's mind, I can set this nation free. I can set this nation free. The future of South Africa 
is dependent on winning the arguments in Christians' minds. The angel came to attack the lies because he knew that the nation's future was dependent on winning the arguments in Gideon's mind. The angel knew if I can take down these lies, Gideon will be set free. He will become the mighty man of valor and he will lead this nation into freedom. And so that's what God wants to do for us, for you and for me. He wants to set us free in our minds. The spiritual battle is right here. So what's going through your head? Are you allowing your past to define who you are and what you can do or what you can't do? Well, I've never, never done great things, so that's probably just who I am. The future of South Africa is dependent on winning the arguments in Christians' minds. So I am hunting some lies this morning in your minds and hearts. Okay, are you ready? Ready to be set free? Let's say it. The Lord is setting me free right now. The Lord is renewing my mind right now. Amen. In Jesus' name. Come on. So the renewing of the mind. What is the renewing of the mind? The renewing of the mind is the process of stepping into the experience of who we already are and what we already have. You see, something happens when you become a Christian, when you become a believer, when you become a child of God. It's like suddenly you are someone different and you have Unlimited resources. That's ours, but it's legally ours, but experientially it isn't. Legally, God is saying, yeah, here it is, like the promised land. The guys, promised land, it's yours. There, go, but now go take it. If you take the lies down in your mind, you will have your promised land. All things are possible. So sonship, sonship is the Christian experience or connecting with sonship, the Christian experience is to discover who we already are and what we already have. It's about discovering who we already are and what we already have. As I said, in this week, as I was going through this conference and people were speaking and we, people were praying for one another and there's, these prophetic words will go forth. It's like, wow, I just realized how many lies I believe, how, many, how much rubbish is in my thinking. How, how many areas there are that there's, there's hopelessness. And so the Lord wants to set us free. So let's discover a few things. So I'm going to take you to Matthew 16. Powerful passage where Jesus asked this question to his disciples. It's close to the end of his ministry on earth. And then he, he asked this question to the guys. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. So there's, there's a God question, a God question. And I think this God is asking the same question to each and every one of us. He's saying, so who am I to you? Who am I to you? And then Peter comes with a solution. You are the son of God. You are the Christ you are the anointed one. You are the one on whom rests the Holy Spirit unlimited, without measure. But you're also the son of God. Jesus, this is who you are. And so something happened with, with Peter there. I'll, I'll read the rest in a moment. But something happened where head knowledge became heart knowledge. Most of us here would say, yes, well, I believe in Jesus and 
I believe he was, yes, is what he says. But it hasn't affected our lives. It hasn't brought a shift on the inside. It hasn't come to settling on the, in, our, in our hearts. We haven't received revelation, revelation knowledge. And that's what God wants. He wants revelation knowledge to come and sit on the inside, to rest you on the inside. So what about a son? A son. Jesus is the son of the living God. Now think about this for a moment. A son. What is definitive to a son or to a child? Definitive is who's the dad? Who's the parent or the parents? That defines the son. So you would see our identity flows from whose son or daughter we are. That's where it starts off. So a son of a king is completely different to a son of a beggar. A son of a rich man is completely different to the son of a poor man. A son of a man of honor or integrity is different to a man or a son of a, of a thief and a corrupt schemer. So a son. Jesus actually calls the Pharisees at some point, he calls them, you the off, offspring of snakes. You're children of snakes. Thank you, Jesus. That's so encouraging. Because they were acting like their father, the devil, who was a liar and a thief, corrupt. And so they were bearing the fruit of their father, the devil. And so Jesus said, you, you're just sons of the devil. Basically, you're sons, of, you, you, you're sons of snakes. But the opposite is also true, that if we are sons of our heavenly father, then we will be like him, we will act like him, we will think like him, we will be different. How do we know what that looks like? What does that look like, a son of our heavenly father? What does that look like? What, 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 would, that, what would be the, the blueprint for you and me? If we had to wonder, okay, if son of our heavenly father, what would be the blueprint? This isn't a difficult question to answer. Jesus. Jesus is the son of the living God. He's the son of the living God. He, he came to reveal who the father is, good and kind and loving and powerful. Jesus came to reveal the father, but he also came to reveal what a son of God looks like. And it says all of creation is crying out that the sons, the daughters of God would arise. It's crying out. All of creation, all of nature is crying out for the sons and the daughters of God to arise. Something profound happened when you and I committed our lives to Jesus. An identity change happened. You were a caterpillar and now you are a butterfly, a transformation. You, your identity was changed. You were a sinner. Now you are a saint that sins sometimes, but not in this church. <sighs> Identity, identity, identity is key. So question, if a sinner does a righteous act, a good act, does that make them righteous? No, they're still a sinner. That's their nature. They're still a sinner, although they've done something good. So take a son of God or a daughter of God, a righteous person, and they committed a sin like driving at a hundred and something kilometers per hour in a 60 zone. Shocking. It's one of the worst sins I've ever heard, ever. 
So a saint, a righteous person commits a sin. What is the result? Are they now a sinner? No, they're not. They're still a saint, but they sinned. But God forgives. But it doesn't change your nature. You see, this about nature. You know, you are now the butterfly driving at a hundred and something kilometers per hour. You're not, not back to the, you're not the caterpillar suddenly just because you committed that thing. Because your nature has shifted. This is so profound. Sons of God. And Jesus came to reveal to us what a son looks like. He said, guys, this is what God looks like. And this is what I have destined you to look like because you are a son of my heavenly father. And Jesus is the firstborn from the dead, the first of many sons. So let's say it. I am a son. It's not about gender. It's about a position in Christ. Let's say it. I'm a son. Let's say it. I'm a child of God. Okay, come on. Some of you are going to get it. You're going to get it. There's going to come a shift on the inside of us. But just as important as it is to know who Jesus is, you need to know who you are in him. You need to know. It, it changes your way of relating to life, to yourself. Let's look at the following verses. Matthew 16, 17 to 19. So Jesus answered and said to him, now after Peter has now said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And now Jesus responds and says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father, my father who is in heaven. So he speaks to to Peter and he says, Peter, or he says, Simon, because that's his original name, Simon, son of Jonah, son of John, you are blessed. Because, you know, the, the name Simon means read. So that's who he is. As the son of John or of Jonah, he's a reed. And the wind can just blow him around. That is how we are if we are just sons of our earthly parents. But now Jesus says, Simon, you are blessed. For you have some, you've caught something. You, you've received a revelation that's been revealed to you by my heavenly Father. And now he says, now, and I also say to you, Simon, you are Peter. Gives him a new name, which means rock or little rock. And on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell, the gates of Hades, shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. It's a profound um, passage. But the first one is revelation knowledge. When the Holy Spirit, when God the Father reveals Understanding to our hearts, it brings a transformation. So one guy says, you know, he speaks about our imagination. Our, your imagination is a, is a place that's supposed to be, you know, handed over to God so that you can have a sanctified imagination so that faith can grow here in your imagination. So, but what happens when we worry? What are we doing? When you worry... What are you doing? You are imagining your future without God. That's, that's worry. You are imagining your future, a specific scenario without God. 
And so what Steve Backlund says, why don't you start worrying with God? Imagine that same scenario, but with God pitching, with God in all his glory coming through for you. Imagine the impact. How would your life look if God most high in all his glory comes flooding into your life? You know, it's like you're at school and you, oh, God, I'm just so worried about all these kids. They, 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 they don't know you. They, they, they lost. I'm just so worried about this. Now, I started worrying with God. Lord, I, oh, revival, breaking out of school. I'm so worried. Where are we, we going to get time to teach these kids? Because we're just going to be praying all day. Lord, what are we going to do? <laughs> just flip it to the complete opposite side. Instead of worrying without what, life without God, Imagine the complications of when God pitches. Oh, God, I don't know what we're going to do. Revival. Just so, God, everybody's going to give money. God, we don't know what to do with all the money. Or whatever. It's, it, it, your, your, your environment. Imagine God moving as in the Bible times, as in revivals in the past. Imagine that. Imagine God starts moving in a way Because he said, I will do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think. So what are you thinking? Give him something to work with. Give him something to work with. So Father, we just renounce every fear, every worry in this house, in the name of Jesus. We declare, Lord, that fear has nothing in us. And we pray, God, that every imagination would start being sanctified, would start imagining life with you and not life without you. In the name of Jesus, I just release peace over every heart, every mind, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. So prophetic ministry is to release the will of God. It's this high-level spiritual warfare. So, Tian, I feel not the word for you. Stand I don't actually know what I'm going to say, but I'm just going to step stepping out here. <laughs> Hallelujah. Father, we bless you. Father, I just commit Tian into your hands. Lord, I thank you for the destiny that you have for his life. Thank you, Jesus. I just see the sun rising upon your life. And I see favor. I believe God is releasing favor over you. And I, I, I sense God is going to open things to you. It's like going to open ideas, like he's going to open your mind to ideas, to creativity. And I just see, I see the Lord, I see a big, like a big seed being planted in your mind. And I see faith written over them. And I sense God's going to reveal to you who you are in him. You are a son of your, of, of your heavenly father. Hallelujah. So I just sense God's bringing a transformation. As the seed of faith is planted in you, there's going to come a transformation on the inside of you. He's making you new in Jesus' name. So I'm just releasing that over you. You see, a prophetic word doesn't say what is. It says what will be. It actually releases grace for God to do it. Uh, you, many of you have probably seen that that part in uh, uh, Chris Vallotton, one of his prophetic ministry things, he shares there's a lady that came, he prayed for her, and he prophesied that she's going to be leading worship in church, etc. And she stopped and said, no, 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 I'm tone deaf. I 
can't sing to save my life. And, she, and he told her, shut up. <laughs> I'm not telling you what is, I'm telling you what will be. And when he prophesied it within, as she walked out of that church building, she suddenly was healed of her tone deafness. And within six months, she was leading worship in a church of 500 plus people. You see, the prophetic word actually releases life, releases life in the name of Jesus. Lindy, I just want to release that over you. Father, we thank you, Lord, for creativity, a creativity, Lord, that just flows from heaven in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I see a, I see a vision of a, of a painter, a painting, and a painter with a coming to paint. And I just sense the Lord's releasing an anointing on you for, for, for creativity in the name of Jesus. And I see the, this painter coming to paint, coming to paint. And I just sense God is saying, he is the painter in your life. And he is the painter in your life. And I just sense that there's, you've, you've only been seeing little bits of the painting. But I just sense God is saying he's going he's gonna to help you to stand back and see the bigger, the big picture. But he's been painting in different parts of your life and he's going to bring it all together. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. And I just sense that the Lord wants to, to, to touch souls, to, to reach those that don't know him through youth, maybe through your businesses, I don't know. But I just sense God is wanting to, they are the key people that the Lord's going to bring to your, to your mind, to your remembrance. And he's going to give you boldness to, to share with them, to share with them in Jesus' name. But I also sense that the Lord's going to do like miracles in your life or there's going to be signs in your life that will, um, that you... You can speak to them about, you can like show them, look at what God has done. Look at what God has done. Look at what he's doing in my life. And it's going to impact their hearts powerfully. Amen. We release that over you in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, okay. Just going to go with what I feel. Greg, stand brother. We're going down the family. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you, Lord, just for a business anointing that is on this man's life. We bless you, God. I just sense that the Lord is really wanting to impact this community through you. I sense the Lord is saying you're a leader. You are a leader. And I, be I believe God's going to release grace over your life to connect with him and to like stay in his presence continuously. Like Your work is no longer going to be work separate from intimacy. I sense God's going to merge the two, your life, your, 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 your business, your, your, that part of your life is going to be integrated with your intimacy with God. So Father, we thank you for this, Lord. Thank you, God. And I just sense God's going to bring people over your path, specific men over your path, people in this community, business leaders and people, and he has called you to reach them. He has placed an anointing upon you to reach them. So Father, we thank you. And I just sense that God's going to touch your mouth. He's going to give you words, the words, but it would be anointed words, words of impact, words of authority. So I, I really sense you speaking to people, maybe not even just one-on-one, -on -one, but bigger groups as well. But I just sense an anointing upon your words, anointing upon your words to impact lives, to impact hearts in the name of Jesus. And I just sense God's going to empower you to show what it is to be a Christian in the business world. You're going to open the way. You're going to pioneer. You're going to show others this is, this is how you do it. This is how you do it. So, Father, we thank you for that. 
in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, let me get back to my message now and then. Oh, I really felt the Lord wanted me to do this. I've, I've, I've received prophetic words over this past week and over the last few months that the Lord is upgrading the prophetic anointing upon my life. So I'm just stepping out to uh, release that word. I spoke to one of our, our regional leaders um, in, in Cape Town. He's the pastor in Worcester and he's, he's leading a, a, a different churches in Shofar. And he told me that uh, something like 10 years ago, I went to preach in their church and he came to Christ two weeks before. And I remember them standing in the front, and I came to him. I, I didn't remember what I said, but he told me what I said. I prophesied over him that he's going to go into the full-time ministry after two weeks. And he was exponentially promoted. He, he was the youngest Christian that I know of that come into any form of full-time ministry in our church group. Power of prophecy. Power of prophecy. It creates the future. It doesn't just say what is. So let's open our hearts too then. So let's start worrying with God. Amen. Worrying with God. Worrying with God. Instead of worrying, imagining our future without God. So I want to read you a, a, an account of uh, T.L. Osborne. As I said, every week, I'm, every Sunday, I'm going to share a story of uh, someone that had a powerful encounter with Jesus. So T.L. Osborne, he died in 2013 at the age of 89. But he had gone to India without any of the success he expected. He told his wife that if he could see Jesus, his life would be changed. If he could see Jesus, his life would be changed. The next morning at 6 o'clock, I was awakened by a vision of Jesus Christ as he came into our room. I looked upon him. I saw him like I see anyone. No tongue can tell of his splendor and beauty. No language can express the magnificence and power of his person. Of all I had heard and read about him, the half had never been told me. His hands were beautiful. They seemed to vibrate with creative ability. His eyes were streams of love pouring forth into my innermost being. When I came out of that room, I was a new man. Jesus had become the master of my life. I knew the truth. He is alive. He is more than a dead religion. My life was changed. I would never be the same. Old traditional values began to fade away, and I felt impressed daily by a new and increasing sense of reverence and serenity. He says everything was different after this revelation. I wanted to please him. That is all that has mattered since that unforgettable morning. As a result of his face-to-face -face encounter, T.L. Osborne showed Jesus to the world. His accomplishment was the fulfillment to Acts 4.33. He writes, Among the people of these many nations of the world, with great power, we give witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace is upon us all. He did what Jesus promised, and he did greater works than Jesus did. Listen to this. Here's a summary of accomplishments of his ministry in 70 nations of the world. He states, We saw deaf mutes by the hundreds perfectly restored. We have seen great numbers of the blind instantly receive their sight, as many as 90 cases in a single gospel crusade. We have seen the hopeless cripples restored, those in wheelchairs as long as 42 years arise and walk. Those on cots and stretchers have arisen and have been made whole. We have witnessed eardrums, lungs, kidneys, ribs, and other parts of the body, which have been removed by operations, recreated, 
and restored by God's creative power. We have seen incurables made well, cancers die and vanish, lepers cleansed and even the dead raised. Praise Jesus. A son. He became a son. When he got a revelation of who Jesus is, he became a son. In a single campaign which we have conducted, as many as 125 deaf mutes, 90 totally blind, and hundreds of others equally miraculous deliverances have resulted. Happy and joyful confessions of Christ as Savior, as Savior have numbered as many as 50,000 in one crusade, often many thousands in one night. What we have seen our Lord accomplish in the past is an example of what He yearns to do in every nation under heaven. You see, He received the revelation of Jesus. It's an invitation for each one of us. What could happen if you receive a revelation of Jesus? What could happen if you had this encounter with Jesus? I believe the same would be the result. Because there's an invitation for everybody. All of creation is crying out for the sons of God to be revealed. And then he goes on and says, on this rock I will build my church. What rock? I I believe that rock is the rock of sonship. Jesus is saying, I will build my church on sonship, meaning the son and those who are sons in Christ. And he said, and the gates of hell will not prevail. In other words, there will be no limit. Even hell itself will not be able to stop or stand in the way. Because Jesus, Jesus was a son that knew his father. Victim mentality, just ending off in a moment, but... A few things that we can tell ourselves. We can tell ourselves, well, I'm a victim of the devil. If only evil wasn't so rampant, then we would have a chance. Ever thought about it? So we can say, I'm a victim of the devil. We can say, I'm a victim of people. If only I had better people at work or only other better people in church, if only they would realize who I am, then I'm a victim of people, Lord. I'm so frustrated. If only they would see. Or we could say, I'm a victim of my past. If only I had a better past. If only I came from a better family. If only I had more means. If only I had an education. If only I had these things. Then, victim of your past. And then lastly, a victim of the preordained plan of God to limit you. Oh God, if only you didn't plan such a small plan for my life. If only you had a big plan. Then there would have been hope. No, it's rubbish. You are a victim of your own bad beliefs. You are a victim of your own bad beliefs. That is what is limiting you. A victim of your own bad beliefs. The devil is terrified you're going to find out who you are. The devil is terrified that you're going to find out who you are. And that's why there's this assault upon our faith and upon our thoughts to to get us into that place of self-destruct. Praise God. And Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. I'm going to build my church. I I heard a story. Um, Some people that were in church here uh, some years ago. And uh, they left the church. And I uh, I met this man again and uh, reconciled. It was a very special moment. But he told me that when they left the church, he joined another group. And they called themselves the not a church group. Not a church. So... They would not have leadership. They would not have anyone preaching. They would not do tithing. 
etc., uh, etc. Et they were just not, and that, that, that group grew to over 50 people. And, uh, and he says then there was this one guy then who was sort of leading the, sort of leading the thing, and then this guy got convicted about it. He said, God told him, no, man, this is, this is nonsense. And so he disbanded the group. But I just realized it's so easy for us to, because of stuff that's happened, because of wounds, disappointments, hurts, we can run away from church. Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. I'm not going to build a little group on the side. For instance, a house group, nothing wrong with it, but it should look like a church. There should be leadership, preaching, stewardship, worship, etc. So I've seen it as well with people that start the little group and they want to change the world with their little group and now a few people get saved and I think, oh, oh, there's no space for them. What are we going to do with them? The church. The church. Jesus is building his church. And when it's built on sonship, the rock, Jesus Christ, and each of us realizing who we are in Christ, we become absolutely unstoppable. Unstoppable. And we will start looking like Jesus. Miracles will happen. Incredible things will start happening. Does God want you to be pitiful? No, he wants you to be powerful. Let's say it, I'm powerful. In Jesus, I am powerful. Let's say it. Just get it in your mouth, the truth in your mouth. And you give God something to work with. Hallelujah. Father, we bless your name. We thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you, Jesus, for your incredible heart for each one of us, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we are sons and daughters of God. The moment we surrender our hearts to you, there's a transformation that happens on the inside. And so, Father, we pray for each one here, Lord, that we can, will take back our minds, our hearts, our thoughts. We are not victims of anything or anyone, but we could be a victim of our own bad beliefs. And so, Father, we pray, Lord, for revelation knowledge to come and rest upon every heart here. May we see you, Jesus. May it become a heart knowledge, not head knowledge. And may we be transformed. Caterpillars becoming butterflies. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I just sense that there's someone here that you, you, you're so bound by your past. You're so finding your identity in all the bad stuff that's happened in the past. I see like a picture of a table, a vision of a table. And there's all this clutter on this table filling up your life. I sense it's sort of your mind, your heart. All the clutter, all the rubbish on top of this table from your past. And I just see the hand of God coming and just wiping the table clean. A new start. I just want to release that over you this morning. Whatever you've been through. Whatever you've gone through. In Jesus' name.
just want to share this as well. Um, imagine a baby that has never walked, saying, well, I've never walked, you know, so I, I guess it's not for me. It's sovereignly not the will of God for me to walk. I think many of us live like that. We haven't experienced something, but when dad comes and says to the little one, hey, my boy, I walked, you walk. Let's walk. And he might stumble a little bit, but helps him up, and then he starts walking. We get our identity from our heavenly father. And he says to some of us, it's time to get up and walk. It's time to get up and walk. Step out of the victim mentality and be set free. So, Father, I just pray for this, Lord. For the spirit of sonship. Spirit of sonship, God, that we may know how much we are loved. How much our Heavenly Father loves us and believes in us. Father, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Just sense that this morning God is unwrapping some of us who have been bound by lies. He's unwrapping us, unwrapping our minds, unwrapping our thinking, unwrapping our thoughts. Lord, I just release this over your people. In the name of Jesus.